The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. And hello again, wrestling fans. Welcome to another edition of This Week in History. Today is January 13th, and we are looking at the week of January 7th through the 13th with a lot of title changes going on, a ton of birthdays that happened in between these two, uh, these seven days, should I say. And there's a lot to get through. Got a lot going on for next week, but this week we're going to do the 7th to the 13th. As I said, we got the births, deaths, uh, some superstar spotlights, you name it, a couple of events that did actually happen during that time. And we're going to get all to that, but I want to thank you for joining us on YouTube and Facebook, listening to us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. We definitely appreciate it, and we encourage you to join us on social media, send us your thoughts, and be part of the show. We want to hear your memories as well as us sharing our own memories of these great events. But we can't do that until we go over to Niagara Falls and say good evening to Jonesy. How are you, sir? I feel wonderful and wanted. Yes. It's always nice to have that happen. And, you know, it's not a bad Thursday uh, night. A little brisk. uh, The temperatures are dropping, but the snow hasn't been falling. So at least that's what's going on here in London. I don't know what's going on in Niagara. Or anywhere where our listeners are, but that's my report. It was very foggy this morning into the noon hour, and then it cleared up. But it was, I'd say you couldn't see about 30 feet in front of you. Yeah, that was the situation this morning as well. Um, So you made up this list, and I was able to edit it down and juggle things around, but... It is a mighty big uh, list of uh, title changes that happened uh, during this time and uh, a bunch of headlines that made uh, news uh, during it as well. So if you're ready to go, so am I. All right, then let's kick her off with January 7th. 20 years ago in 2002, Triple H made his return to the WWE after suffering a career-threatening torn quadriceps injury the previous May. After the rousing ovation from Madison Square Garden crowd, uh, Triple H declared that he would enter the Royal Rumble match later in in the month. A match, oh, sorry, spoiler alert, a match he would go on to win. Oh, no, you spoiled it. Yes, I did. Uh, January 8th, uh, 24 years ago, 1998, WCW presented the debut episode of Thunder from the Ocean Center in Daytona Beach, Florida. Credited on orders of billionaire Ted, WCW President Eric Bischoff was reluctant to go with another two hours of weekly wrestling programming. Uh, Pro would be canceled by TBS in January of 98, plus worldwide in syndication. To make room for another big show uh, in not helping matters, Time Warner, the parent company of WCW, was under a hiring freeze, so no new people could be brought in to run the show. Also, the show ate into WCW's profits as the company was uh, responsible for all production costs, which ran from $12 million to $15 million a year, and WCW added additional house shows to help ease the burden. 
And uh, yeah, that's one thing that uh, with WCW, I, I believe it was, I want to say even their, their pay-per-views, they didn't get that money. Yeah, that was going into like a full uh, Turner Broadcasting pot and they barely even got some of their advertising revenue and stuff like that. Meanwhile, that was what was bringing in a lot of money, especially at that time for uh, Time Warner and making them as popular as they were for the eventual uh, merger that uh, they did with IOL. And that was just recently um, an anniversary as well, I believe this week of that uh, happening. But yeah, it's just, they didn't appreciate what they had with the fact that WCW was doing as as good, if not better, than Andy Griffith and uh, the uh, Mayberry Show for <laughs> their ratings. Yeah, they. they That's all they, it was based on was either you either had wrestling or you had Andy. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Time Warner kind of crapped all over WCW, especially in their dying days. Yeah, and uh, there's a whole book about it by Guy Evans. Um, that a lot of people think it's a lot of the writing that uh, was a downfall, but it was uh, bad business as well that didn't help. And when you're uh, scrounging around to get the best out of what you have, and every cent that you're making is being taken away, you wonder why it uh, went downhill and failed. Yep, it was awful for them. Uh, January 8th, nine years ago in 2013, WWE announces via press release that John Cena would appear on boxes of Post Fruity Pebbles and Cocoa Pebbles in the run-up to WrestleMania 29. This would not be the first time Cena appeared on the cereal boxes. Um, he did this uh, in the run-up to WrestleMania 28. Uh, he was, in fact, uh, running around like a big bowl of Fruity Pebbles, at least according to The Rock. Well, every week he was changing uh, a new color of merchandise, or at least it seemed like it. Uh, I think probably every three months he was getting new gear, and it was either lime green, purple, mm -hmm. yellow, red. So, as Rock said, all the fruity color, uh, fruity pebble colors. Uh, and around that time, that's when I think John Zena was at his hottest. Oh, yeah. And uh, I believe he was on a... Uh, interview recently and um, that feud with the rock uh, Vince wanted him to turn heel but that never happened and there's a reason they look at how many uh, make a wish foundation uh, requests he's fulfilled for kids over the years it's crazy mm -hmm. uh, you know maybe he'll turn heel when he uh, you know retires <laughs> Uh, what was your biggest binge on the network is the question I had on here. Um, That's because the network got launched uh, or announcement for its launch happened on uh, January 8th, uh, 2011 uh, in Las Vegas. And they uh, told about how it was going to have original programming and all your uh, backlog uh, catalog from the 24 seven uh, channel that they had. And it was uh, to launch on February 24th, uh, just after Raw. Uh, well, actually, it did launch February 24th, 2013, after Raw. It was supposed to launch in uh, 2012, but, you know, technical difficulties along the way. Go figure. 
But now everything is there and got sold off to Peacock. Oh, but the network is, got sold to Peacock? Well, uh, in the United States, uh, people have to uh, go to Peacock oh, to yes. uh, watch it. In Canada and the rest of the world, we're still getting the regular network. But uh, Vince uh, hauled in a whole uh, load of coin for uh, going over to Peacock. The downside is now we have uh, long uh, sort of profile videos happening during pay-per-views where people on Peacock on the cheap level are getting actual commercials. But you asked about the binging on the network. Well, some of my favorites are uh, things like uh, Table for Three. Uh, just the banter that happens there. And then, of course, Broken Skull Sessions. The JBL uh, uh, interview thing that he had was really good. And for the brief time that uh, Conrad Thompson and uh, Bruce Pritchard had something else to wrestle with, I prefer those behind-the-scenes uh, talking things than mm -hmm. some of the, the stupid things like uh, Swerved and uh, Legends House. What about yourself? Uh, I'd say pay-per-views are the ones where, uh, like Royal Rumbles and certain ones that had, you know, certain matches, uh, just, just like YouTube and just keep on selecting. And um, some of the other stuff, like Thunder. I, I love watching Thunder. I really wish... They'd, uh, and eventually they will get all the Saturday night uh, nights on there. Uh, that was probably my favorite to watch was the Saturday nights. Yeah, they were good uh, times. All right. Going to move on. January 9th, 29 years ago in 93, Brad Hart defeated Ric Flair 3-2 in a 60-minute Iron Man match to retain the WWF Championship. This match is believed to be the first Iron Man match in WWF history. Also on the ninth, 16 years ago, 2006, on Raw, Edge celebrated his first WWE championship win the only way he knows how by having sex with Lita right in the ring. Yeah, and that one is uh, controversial in itself because Lita said recently that uh, they apparently threatened her to go out and do that, or at least were very strongly suggesting to do it. Uh, she might have refused, but then ended up uh, doing that. And then things got a little out of uh, hand uh, where she actually was topless under the sheet and the camera did catch a little bit of Lita nipple. Yay. I have to go looking for that later. All right. Uh, also, the ninth, uh, 13 years ago, 2009, Stone Cold Steve Austin was announced as the headliner for the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2009. Uh, 13 years ago, um, 2009, there were cuts at WWE as the company announced that 10% of their workforce was being let go. Among those receiving their pink slip, uh, former IC champ uh, D'Lo Brown and Val Venus Included in there is Kevin Thorne and Bam Neely, who is on the ECW brand. Referee Jimmy Corderas um, and referee turn producer Tim White. And Vince McMahon's two limo drivers. Oh, those poor bastards. Poor guys. Yeah. Uh, January 9th, 10 years ago, 
uh, WWE announced that the Four Horsemen, uh, the Arn Anderson, J.J. Dillon, Ric Flair, and Barry Windham, Tully Blanchard, uh, uh, would headline the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2012 with, of course, Edge, but he wasn't a Four Horseman. Uh, January 10th, 28 years ago, 1994, WWE presented the Raw First Anniversary Special. Um, wow, 28 years ago. They're getting very close to 30 years. That's that's pretty crazy. Next January. Yeah. Uh, January 10th, uh, 24 years ago, the WWF and Mike Tyson agreed on a deal that would bring the former World Heavyweight Boxing Champion to appear at WrestleMania 14. It was uh, considered a gamble for the WWF, considering he was coming off sm uh, snacking on Evander Holyfield's ear during a heavyweight title match in June of 97. He was fined $3 million, and hey, ironically, Tyson, that's what he got paid by the WWF for his ro role in WrestleMania 8, uh, 14. Uh, in the end, the gamble did work. Of course, about uh, uh, 730,000 homes bought WrestleMania, uh, more than triple the number of homes that bought WrestleMania 13, uh, sparking a resurgence for the WWF. Yeah, and uh, he was at the uh, Royal Rumble, I think, the night before uh, that, and then uh, got brought into uh, yes. the uh, Raw uh, show. Uh, the next night, and as the top of this uh, graphic here, has where uh, the encounter with Steve Austin uh, happened, and uh, he flipped him off, and the uh, little scrum that happened, and Vince yelling at Austin that you ruined everything, you ruined everything, and Austin being uh, dragged away. But, yeah, it was a really good uh, deal. And I think a lot of uh, people... Over in WCW, um, thought of that moment as the oh shit type uh, moment where, uh oh, the tide is going to start turning. There's a couple of moments where uh, different WCW superstars were just like, uh oh, uh oh. And that was part of it. And then I think, then obviously WrestleMania was. And I recall seeing a Kevin Nash interview where he talks about that. And he uh, approaches Sullivan after, uh, I think, the night after WrestleMania. Uh, and they had their show. And both of them were just like, WrestleMania is going to kill us or kill them. And they knew that the tide was uh, going the other way. Yep. Uh, WWF, -E, uh, they are a heavyweight. And even though that uh, at times the product kind of stinks, all in all, throughout the years, I'd say the wrestling has just gotten better. Yeah, they're getting better in-ring uh, in product between the bells. I think their biggest issue is having uh, comedy writers and Hollywood writers doing the stuff, the fluff in between on the other sides of it. Instead of having the former superstars who are agents also doing the creative part and allowing the talent to be creative because they know what they're doing as opposed to somebody who wrote mad about you. Yeah. All right. 
I got January 10th, 22 years ago, 2000, mm-hmm. on Nitro, WCW World Heavyweight Champion Bret Hart and Kevin Nash fought to a no contest. It would be Bret Hart's final match as a full-time performer. Hart was suffering from post-concussion syndrome in the wake of a Goldberg kick at Starcade about two weeks earlier. Hart would work through the concussion, including doing a hardcore match with Terry Funk at the January 4th uh, Thunder taping. Also, January 10th, 11 years ago, 2011, Shawn Michaels, just nine months removed from retirement, is announced as the headliner for the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2011. Not a really surprising one. He loses his career to The Undertaker. You knew the following year he's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. We've got a bunch of birthdays to go through. Starting with January 7th, we got Alicia Edwards, who turned 35, Darby Allen uh, turned 29, and Chavo Guerrero Sr. is a ripe 73. Was. Would have been. Oh, sorry. Would have been. Oh, that's... Oh, I don't... Did the would have been get taken out, maybe? Yeah. Chavo oh, classic. Hey, as long as you remember... Uh, we got uh, January 8th, we got Bush Whacker Luke at 75, uh, Bull Nicano, uh, 54, Chris Masters is 39, Todd Grisham turned, uh, turns 46, and Ruby Soho, uh, and these, sorry, Todd Grisham and Ruby Soho, who's 31, are January 9th. On uh, January 10th, it's a happy 44th birthday to Sharona Mona Marie Ryher Snuka Polamalu. Oh, i going to give myself Barry Orr what's on the back here. Uh, but she is best known to wrestling fans as Tamina Snuka. And also on the 10th, it would have been a happy 50th to Brian Christopher Lawler, uh, who, of course, is the son of wrestling legend Jerry Licking Lawler. Yeah, I'm not sure if they've solved uh, what happened to uh, him in his uh, jail cell uh, with the alleged hanging uh, suicide of himself, which obviously Jerry uh, feels that that was not true. Uh, I'd have to look back and see if anything's uh, come about it. I know uh, Jerry definitely was not in agreement with the uh, autopsy results and or at least the speculation of what happened to his son. Uh, even though Brian was in a bad place, it wasn't in that bad of a place. So it's a shame that uh, the crown prince, shall we say, has is passed with uh, Grandmaster Saxe, who would have been 50. Uh, we got a superstar spotlight January 10th. It's a happy 52nd birthday to Marcus Alexander Bagwell, a.k.a. Buff Bagwell. Bagwell, Bagwell, of course, is best known for his time in WCW from 91 to 96. Bagwell had won four WCW tag titles with three different partners, uh, two of them being cord, cold, uh, two cold, or, eh, one of them being two cold Scorpio, the Patriot twice as one half of Stars and Stripes, and with Scotty Riggs as one half of the American Males. Uh, Buff would be a popular baby face for years until he joined the NWO and was absorbed into hanging out with Big Papa Pump. He would join WWE and fade into the abyss. Um, I I liked Bagwell 
the younger Bagwell, once he got too buff, yes, he I think he was better, say, in front of a camera, but his wrestling skills just didn't seem to I seem yeah. to be better when he was in the tag team when he was younger. Exactly. And yeah, he debuted at uh in 1990, uh, his birthday is January 10th and just turned 52. Uh, Missy Hyatt ended up helping him get into the business. He worked as the fabulous uh, Fabian uh, when he first got into it. And then in global, um, as the handsome stranger, he'd wear a mask and hand out roses to uh, ladies at ringside. Uh, of course, as you mentioned, WCW worked for WDE basically only one night uh, where he stunk up the joint with Booker T on Raw. Uh, World Wrestling All-Stars that was somewhat the in-between of WCW and the birth of uh, TNA he worked for. And, of course, TNA, uh, NWA, TNA yeah, he worked for. Retired or, well, I don't think he's totally retired, but he doesn't do too much appearances anymore. And uh, last I had heard, uh, thanks to uh, some of the Conrad Thompson uh, podcasts, I think especially the Tony Schiavone one, he was working for a escort service, Cowboys for Angels, and has a profile on there. So, ladies, if you're looking for a date, Buff the Stuff is there. Um, another note that I have on here is that... What if his uh, mom hangs out with him? No, she, Judy just recently passed away. No. Uh, and that he was almost crippled in the ring uh, in a match with uh, Rick Steiner. And that was uh, somewhat the anticipus of him uh, doing the uh, switchover as well. Uh, when they turned him heel, he had uh, duped Rick Steiner and joined Sky Steiner uh, with that whole thing. So, yeah. And like you mentioned, he introduced the world to Judy Bagwell. And we got her as a tag team champion. And on a forklift. In a on match. a forklift. Good times. Oh, great times. A uh, whole bunch of title changes. Here we go. Uh, starting with January 7th. 56 years ago, 1966, Gene Kaniski defeated Lou Thez to win the NWA World Heavyweight Belt. Uh, 2001, the Sandman defeated Steve Carino and Justin Credible in a tables, ladders, chairs, and canes match to win the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Um, 2001, also Rhino defeated the Sandman, uh, this was the same show, uh, to win the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. He would be the company's last champion in the original ECW. Uh, 2002, Spike Dudley and Taz defeated the Dudley Boys to win the WWF Tag Team Belts. Uh, weighing just 398 pounds combined, Spike and Taz were at the time the lightest tag team champions in WWF history. 18 years tiny. ago, sorry, go ahead. Tiny people. Tiny people. Uh, mind you that, um, uh, Taz, if he would have been taller, he would have been a monster. Because uh, though he was short, he was pretty damn thick. Oh, yeah. Uh, 18 years ago, 2004, at an NWA TNA weekly pay-per-view taping, Chris Sabin uh, defeated Michael Shane, Christopher Daniels, and Loki in an Ultimate X match to win the TNA X Division Championship. 15 years ago, uh, in 2007, Tokyo, Japan, the Briscoes, Mark and Jay, defeated uh, Yoshinobu 
Kanemuro and Takahashi Seguria uh, to win the GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. Uh, 14 years ago, 2008, at an impact taping, Awesome Kong defeated Gail Kim to win the TNA Knockouts belt. Moving on to January 8th, 56 years ago, 1966, Tim Woods defeated Mad Dog Vachon to become the new AWA World Heavyweight Champion. Or so he thought, AWA President Stanley Blackburn overturned the decision a week later when replay shows uh, Woods had his foot on the ropes during the fall. The match was ruled a no contest in the title return to Vachon, who would defeat Woods in the return belt. Mr. Wrestling 2. Mr. Wrestling 2. I might have seen him uh, wrestle. I can't remember. I know I've seen one of them. Anyways, uh, January 8th, 27 years ago, 1995, on a live edition of WCW's main event, Arn Anderson defeated Johnny B. Bad to win the WCW World Television Championship. Uh... These are all in the 8th. Uh, 1998, the debut episode of Thunder is most noted for the big hitting of the WCW World Heavyweight Championship belt, following two controversial belts between Sting and Hollywood Hogan. In 98, Juventud Guerrero defeated Ultimo Dragon to win the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. 19 years ago in 2003, at an NWA TNA pay-per-view taping, America's most wanted Chris Harris and James Storm defeated the Disciples of the New Church, Brian Lee and Slash, to win the NWA World Tag Team Championship. In 2006, Edge defeated John Cena in just 106 seconds to win the WWE Championship. Yeah, this was the uh, first cash-in ever of the uh, Money in the Bank. Um, Edge won at WrestleMania, and... It was a great concept. It was the first uh, one uh, to do it at the time. And nobody knew how the concept was actually going to work, uh, whether he had to declare it or anything like that, if you hear anything behind the scenes. And then just at the New Year's Revolution pay-per-view, yeah, it was time to pull the trigger. And Vince came out and introduced Edge as cashing in his briefcase. He handed it over to uh, Vince, ran down the ring, and Cena had just finished a um, uh, elimination chamber match and retained the t- uh, title that night, only to get hit with a spear. And as you said, 106 seconds later, new champ, first time world champion, and well, we talked about that just a couple minutes ago about how Edge and Lita ended up celebrating that first title win. But yeah, it was a Great way of uh, showing what the money in the bank was going to be or could have been. I don't know if it has the same uh, power as it does today. Uh, There's just too many times of the surprise jump uh, that I think it's lost its uh, prestige in that regards. I didn't mind a couple times when people like uh, Rob Van Dam called their shot and... Mm -hmm did it so they need to mix it up a slight bit they've had a few people lose so it's not a guarantee that you're going to win but it's too many times and it doesn't work for me personally when a baby face is holding the case and does a cheap cash in the baby faces should be the ones going to the champion and saying i want a title shot next week or at the next pay-per-view 
and this is what I'm cashing in, so it doesn't cheapen it. Yeah, I can see that. Personally, I'd, I'd like to see the um, evil people do that. Uh, they don't all have to be cheaters, because hey, when you're bad, you're confident in yourself. Sure, sometimes. Uh, January eighth, we're going to continue. I believe we're at. Do, 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 do. Alberto Del Rio. Alberto Del Rio. I must have scrolled through that. Do, uh, do, Jan do. January 8th, uh, 2013, uh, SmackDown taping. Alberto Del Rio defeats the Big Show in a last man standing match to win the World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, I keep going because I'm lost. Uh, okay. On January 9th, 2000, the Impact Players. Lance Storm and Justin Crabble defeat Tommy Dreamer and Raven to, to win the ECW World Tag Team Championships. On January 9th, 2005, Trish Stratus defeated Lita to win the Women's Championship. Three more titles uh, changes to come include January 9th, 2005, the same episode that Trish got the title, Triple H defeated Edge, Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, Batista, and Randy Orton in an elimination uh, chamber match to win the uh, vacant world heavyweight championship. Shawn Michaels was the guest referee of that match. And that's when Batista and uh, Ric Flair celebrated with him. Crimson mask for uh, Triple H and all that. But he had, got the belt that night. And, of course, over on uh, the TNA side of things, on January 9th, two title changes happened on 2000. 11 January 9th, Abyss defeated Doug Williams to win the TNA Television Championship. And that same night, Mr. Anderson, Anderson, <laughs> defeated Jeff Hardy to win the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Fantastic. Now I know where we are. <clears throat> there we go. It's all good. Okay, some of the events. Uh, January 7th, 21 years ago in 2001, ECW held guilty as charged. It would turn out to be the final televised event for the company as mounting depth, depth forced them to stop running shows a few days later. Two months later, the company filed for bankruptcy. Well, it worked out for in WWE's case because, you know, they had been floating uh, Paul Heyman for a long while and had that to most people, unknown alliance uh, going on. But in the end, because they somewhat were owed money for the, what they put out to Paul Heyman, they were able to get the library dirt cheap in, when it went to bankruptcy court because it basically was uh, an asset that uh, WD uh, claimed in their uh, compensation. Poor Heyman. Uh, yeah, he also, got a job. Yep. Well, that's that, that he. Um, yes, yes, he did. Uh, January seventh, fifteen years ago, two thousand and seven, WWE presented New Year's Revs Revolution. John Cena defeated Umanga to retain the WWE Championship. This was Umanga's first pinfall um, submission defeat. Also on the 7th, 14 years ago in 2008, WWE presented Raw Roulette 3. As with previous editions of the event, every match on the show was determined by a spin of the wheel. January 8th. Just a twist on uh, WCW, spin the wheel, make the deal, which now yes. uh, NXT uses. 
January 8th, 16 years ago, 2006, WWE presented New Year's Revolution. And uh, 10 years ago, TNA presented Genesis from the Impact Zone. Good old Impact uh, Zone. Some of the headlines. We're going to start with January 11th, 1993, 29 years ago, 1993. I already said that. WWF presented the first episode of Monday Night Raw from the Manhattan Center in New York City. The show replaced the long-running primetime wrestling on the USA Network. Of course, the rest is history. Uh, Also on the 11th, 23 years ago, 1999, on Raw is War, China last eliminates Vince McMahon to win the corporate Royal Rumble. The win gives China the number 30 entry into the Royal Rumble match, making her the first woman to enter the annual Battle Royale. Uh, 21 years ago, 2001, Eric Bischoff in Fusant Media Ventures announced they had agreed in principle to buy World Championship Wrestling. Of course, that went to shit. And the WWE picked the bones of WCW for a few million and left the Universal Wrestling Corporation in a filing cabinet somewhere in Atlanta until, believe it or not, 2017 is when finally that company was dissolved. Yeah, it's kind of uh, odd timing that it uh, took that long to uh, dissolve it. But yeah, hey, whatever. Uh, January 11th, uh, 11 years ago, 2011, former WWE announcer and briefly Raw general manager, Mike Adam, 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 oh, why can't I say that? Adam L? Adam Lee. Adam Lee, really? Okay. Is arrested in Chicago on DUI charges. Adam Lee, uh, who was on medication for epilepsy at the time, is eventually cleared of all charges. In 2017, Adam Lee uh, announced his retirement from WMAQ-TV due to dementia believed to be caused by years of concussions in football. It's okay that you uh, messed up his name uh, in a way because on one, of his, oh, that, uh, that... on one of his first appearances in the WWE, he called Jeff uh, Hardy, Jeff Harvey. Jeff so, Harvey, yes. Yeah. Awesome. I bet you Vince cringed on that. Uh, we're still on January 11th, um, 2012, PW Insider and WWE later confirmed that Mick Foley would enter the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2013. It's a good thing that they did Mick Foley, because technically, you have guys like Ric Flair, who is a two-time, uh, Hall of Famer because of himself and the Horseman. You have Hulk Hogan, who's a two-time one because of uh, himself and the NWO. Booker T for himself and Harlem Heat. Shawn Michaels for himself and uh, DX. Shawn Waltman is in twice because of DX and uh, uh, NWO. And, of course, same with Hall and Nash with uh, themselves and NWO. But Mick Foley technically could become at least a four-time Hall of Famer if they want to stretch it and have him up there so many times because he could be there as himself, which he is. Dude Love, Mankind, and Cactus Jack. See, I don't agree with Dude Love. I don't think Dude Love would Had deserve a to go in. However, he could be a four-time because eventually the Rock and Sock connection would go in. 
There's that, and maybe he can induct Mr. Sacco. Ah, yes, Mr. Sacco, the first puppet into the um, Hall of Fame. And, uh, though I'm sure that if they started doing that, Sacco would definitely make it in long before Rocco. Uh, Rocco did have his uh, moment in the sun at Wembley Stadium. Oh, that was awful. That was just awful. That was one of the dark moments in WWF history, in my opinion. Uh, January 13th, uh, 31 years ago, 1991, Chris Chavis makes his professional wrestling debut for Larry Sharp's World Wrestling Alliance in Philadelphia. Chavis was trained by Sharp and would have a moderate run in the WWF as Tatanka. Yeah, and uh, January 12th, the Nation of Domination uh, get a new member in Mark Henry. As yep. Mark Henry turns on Ken Shamrock in a tag team match against the Nation members, The Rock and D'Lo Brown. And that started expanding the Nation further before The Rock ended up picking Farouk uh, to the curb. Nation. The domination. I memorized the lyrics for that. From that. Song. Oh, yeah. Um, sticking with January 13th, 29 years ago, 1992, WCW presented Clash of the Champions 22. Uh, this would be the final major event Jim Ross called for WCW because in February, he would be pulled from WCW programming due to Eric Bischoff taking over for Bill Watts as WCW's executive vice president. Yeah, the visual uh, that's up on screen for those watching the show is a very young picture of Jim Ross from his WCW days. Uh, definitely not the uh, man under the black hat, and uh, as we know currently with his uh, goatee and everything, uh, just looks like a clean-cut reporter uh, back in those days. And I think for whatever reason, his voice sounded higher Yes. And WCW than it did when he went over to work for Vince. Could be a uh, thing with uh, the production values of WCW versus WWF, but he definitely didn't sound as Southern as he did when he went over to work for Vince, and his voice got a little bit lower. Yeah, and I'm not sure exactly what was the cause of that age or what, you know, the, well, it's before the bell's palsy as well, because if you, yeah, I don't, I don't nine, think that would cause, but maybe it would. I honestly, I don't know. Um, but th th there is, there is some, especially older tapes of, of certain comedians and stuff like, like George Carlin, he, his voice turned really gruff as he got older. Um, in recording oh, yeah. voices, you listen to Meatloaf's first album, Bad Out of Hell, and then listen to his next couple after that. He sounds like a completely different singer as far as the pitch in his voice. Well, a huge thing with that right now is even Vince McMahon. The Vince McMahon, Attitude Era, Austin McMahon Era voice that he had then, or even WrestleMania 3 when he welcomed everybody to WrestleMania and introduced Aretha Franklin compared to the doddery old 75-plus-year-old um, man that you hear now on Monday Night Raw tutoring Austin Theory, uh, just sounds a totally different man than that. And it's definitely a... I thought at one point he said he didn't want to be on TV anymore, but then when things go wrong, poof, he pulls himself out. And I don't know if it's... Uh, Strengthening that legacy, unless they have him be an insane old man on TV. 
Uh, I would definitely, I'd definitely be for that. That'd be great TV. Uh, 21 years ago, this is still January 13th, um, ECW held the house show at the Pine Bluff Convention Center in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. It would turn out to be the final ever show presented by the promotion originally known as Eastern Championship Wrestling. The main event saw the Sandman defeat Justin Credible in a hardcore match. In post-match, Credible and Sandman hugged amidst the sea of bottles and cups being thrown Justin's way until Atlas Security stepped in. Uh, then the locker room emptied and Tommy Dreamer and Sandman thanked the fans while the wrestlers shared beer in the ring. Rest in, in peace, ECW. Yes. 2003, WWE broadcasts the first of two parts of their Raw 10th anniversary special. The second part taking place the next night was an awards ceremony honoring the best matches and moments on Raw from the past 10 years. And I, I know I have that DVD. Uh, you probably have it somewhere as well. Yep, uh, I have that one. And we're going to talk about some of the uh, awards and... Uh, uh, top 10 moments and stuff like that of the 10 years on our next episode. That's in the uh, list there. All right. Great. Uh, eight years ago, 2014, James Helwig, a.k.a. The Ultimate Warrior, was announced as the headliner for the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2014. Uh, that's when hell froze over. Um, 2014, also an iconic image was born that night as Daniel Bryan celebrated his cage match victory and freedom from the Wyatt family on top of the cage with a huge yes chant to close the show. Yeah, I was trying to get a photo of that and really couldn't get one that was uh, nice to put up on here. It was all blurry and stuff like that. But yeah, that just a huge moment of him finally turning on the Wyatt family, which he knew was going to happen because he didn't really stick with them too long. But then he took out uh, Bray, sat on top of that uh, rim of the cage, and just the whole arena you could see just going. And I ended up sparking a lot of other arenas doing that in other sports. So mm -hmm. basketball, it was happening at football stadiums. It, it definitely caught on. Yeah, even at my wedding. The rehearsal, we were... Mm -hmm. Doing the yes chant. Like, it just was, as you said, an iconic uh, sort of moment. Uh, a few more birthdays here. January 10th. It's a happy 62nd birthday to Jose Casas Ruiz. Really is. I don't know. Are you Ruiz? But, of course, he's better known to Lucha fans as Negro Casas. January 11th, it's a happy 80th birthday for Windsor, Ontario's own Abdullah the Butcher. And yes, believe it or not, he's still alive. I mean, good for him, but you think at that size and the career he had that, wow, he wouldn't make it to 80, but he has and good for him. Uh, uh, January 11th, uh, today would have been the 91st birthday of Salvatore Guerrero Casada, uh, uh, best known to Lucha Libre fans as Gory Guerrero. January 13th, Shad is 41. Yeah, and, uh, we lost him last year after he tried rescuing his son. Yes. So, rest in peace, Shad. And also on the 13th, Yujiro Takahashi, 41. Nice. All right, we got some superstar spotlight here. Uh, January 12th, today would have been the 56th birthday of Gertrude Elizabeth Vachon, best known to wrestling fans as Luna Vachon. 
Over the course of her 22-year career, she wrestled for promotions such as the World Wrestling Federation, Extreme Championship Wrestling, the American Wrestling Association, and World Championship Wrestling. Uh, she was inducted into the WWE uh, Hall of Fame class of 2019 under the Legacy Wing. As a child, Gertrude Vachon wanted to continue her family's wrestling legacy, attending wrestling events she used to play in the ring, which often resulted in training with various stars. Her family objected to her entering the wrestling business and tried to, um, uh, pardon me, I got a burp, ah, and tried to, uh, um, I didn't even know that word there, dissuade her? Yes. It's not a word I normally use. So, Anyways, they didn't want her to, uh, as they considered a wrestler's life at the time too harsh for a female. Andre the Giant took her on a trip to Paris in 1974, also tried to um, persuade her not to become a wrestler. Around the age of 16, she began training uh, under um, her Aunt Vivian, and then later the fabulous Moolah. Yeah, so I'll take over a little bit of this and let you sure. rest of your voice. Uh, she was born in Atlanta, Georgia, to Charles Henry uh, Wilkerson, a hotel owner, and Rebecca Van P uh, Pierce. Luna was adopted by Paul Butcher, Butcher Vachon in 1966 when he married her mother, Van, his second wife, and continued to raise her as his daughter after the marriage split. Luna's bi biological father, Charles Winkerson, or Wilkerson, uh, committed suicide in his hotel, and Butcher Vachon was staying in that hotel in Atlanta. He then uh, met the devastated widow, Van, uh, while she was grieving at the hotel, and by virtue of the adoption, she is also the niece of Mad Dog Vachon and Vivian Vachon. Luna was married three times, including to Gangrel, or David Heath, uh, they got married on a, a Halloween uh, whole thing. Uh, there was videotaped and stuff like that. She has two sons from her first marriage. Her son, Van, was a contestant uh, on Hell's Kitchen a few seasons ago. And Luna was uh, diagnosed with bipolar disorder. She became a born-again Christian in 2004 after attending an Athletes International Ministry Conference. She was baptized by fellow wrestler Nikita Koloff alongside her then-husband, David Heath. In, 19, in 2007, she worked as a tow truck operator in Port uh, Ritchie, Florida. You want to tag oh, back here? Uh, Luna was honored in April 2009 as the 45th Oh, sorry, 44th Annual Cauliflower Alley Club Reunion, uh, given the Ladies Wrestling Award in Las Vegas, Nevada. Around Christmas of 2009, Vashon's house was destroyed by a fire in which she lost her wrestling-related memorabilia and other possessions. On the morning of August 27, 2010, she was found dead by her mother at her home in Pasco County, Florida. She was 48 years old. According to the District 6 Medical Examiner's Office in Florida, she died from an overdose of oxycotton and ben benzodiazepine 
investigators previously found crushed pill residue and snorting straws at multiple locations inside Vashon's house. Luna became addicted to medication at some point and underwent rehabilitation, paid for WWE, which she completed in 2009. Yeah, sucky end for her. Uh, I was a fan of hers. Um, you didn't get to see her, you know, wrestle as much as you'd like to see her wrestle. For some reason, they just didn't use her a whole bunch in the ring. Um, but uh, I, I just well, that's the odd thing because looking through her uh, Wikipedia list to try and find accomplishments, she didn't really hold any uh, titles. Didn't hold any major titles in uh, WCW or WWE, WF uh, at the time. She was the antagonist to whatever champion, in this case, was usually Medusa uh, at the time. And then, of course, we saw her in her lovely feud with uh, Doink and Dink uh, being the main squeeze of Bam Bam Bigelow. And she was uh, doing the dominatrix thing with uh, the artist formerly known as Goldust when Dustin split from uh, Terry. So she was put in that role. She was oddly enough uh, put in a role, I guess, somewhat managing Shawn Michaels, but not at uh, one point uh, with WrestleMania uh, nine when she showed back up uh, there. Just it was an odd casting for her that I don't know if they knew what to do with what they had. Yeah, she was uh, entertaining, and uh, I thought she was kind of uh, she was. She was uh, actually a good-looking lady if you uh, took off uh, all the makeup and all that. Uh, she, she just there, looked like, you know, the, a regular lady. But There is a Dark Side and, of the Ring episode involving her. Yes. And I believe one of the last uh, things she did in uh, WWE was actually being with the uh, oddities. So dancing around with Kurgan and uh, Golga, which was Earthquake and stuff like that. And the uh, just... She got to, I guess, finish as somewhat of a face in that case because the oddities were a face at the time. I do believe I have a Luna Vachon action figure from that time. Cool. All right, moving from Looney, uh, we're going to go to a whole bunch more title changes. Starting with January 10th, there's a few. 38 years ago in 1984, Nick Bockwinkle defeated Jerry Lawler to win the vacated AWA World Belt. In 1994, in one of the bouts, uh, the 123 Kid and Marty Jannetty defeated the Quebecers, Jacques and Pierre, to win the WWF Tag Team Championship. Uh, in 1999, Taz defeated Shane Douglas by submission to win the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, 2006 saw Dave Batista vacated uh, the World Heavyweight Championship. Moments later, SmackDown general manager Theodore Long declared that the title wouldn't be vacated long. It would go to the winner of a 20-man battle royal to take place later that night. Uh, do, 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 do. Also, 2006, on the same day, uh, Kurt Angle, who was a member of the Raw roster at the time, won that 20-man battle royal, last eliminating Mark Henry to win the World uh, Heavyweight Championship. Moving on to January 11th. 31 years ago in 1991, Ric Flair defeated Sting to win the NWA World Heavyweight Belt. 
The win also made Flair the first ever WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Flair remains the champion until he leaves WCW in July for the WWF. And that's the belt he uh, brought with him to, uh, well, I think we first saw it in the hands of Bobby the Brain Heenan on, uh, at SummerSlam, but then he brought it with him uh, when he went on the funeral parlor and all those other times until WCW kind of went after WWE, but it was his property at first because at that time you had to put down a deposit, and when he left WCW, they didn't give him back his money. So he took his belt with him. Um, I think we have talked about it on other occasions, uh, especially in November uh, when we were talking about the Survivor Series. He had the whole gimmick of carrying around the world real world's championship. But when the whole uh, back and forth between WCW and WWF happened over the uh, use of the title, they started blurring it out. And at one point he was carrying around a tag team championship and holding up to the camera. But because it was blurred out, only the fans in the audience saw that it was a tag title, not the big gold. Yeah, you think they just make up a fake one, but there. Yeah. Uh, we got uh, January 10th, uh, 2006, Kurt Angle, who was a member of the Raw roster at the time, already did that one. Oh, never mind. January 11th, 29 years ago, 1993, at a WCW Saturday night, Dustin Rhodes defeated Ricky Steamboat by countout to win the vacated NWA WCW United States Championship. Uh, 22 years ago, two year 2000, at a Thunder, Brian Nobbs defeated Norman Smiley to win the WCW Hardcore Championship. A title that did not last too long. Yeah, and probably the only singles title that Brian Nobbs ever held. Um, 17 years ago, 2005, at a SmackDown taping in Tampa, Florida, the Basham brothers, Doug and Danny, defeated Ray Mysterio and RVD, Booker T, and Eddie Guerrero, and Mark Gingerak and Luther Reigns in a four-team elimination match to win the WWE Tag Belts. The only team that was an actual team. Yeah. Everybody else was... <laughs> Franken-teamed. Franken-teamed. Uh, sticking with January 11th, 2009, Alex Shelley defeated Chris Sabin to become the new TNA X Division champ. 2009, uh, Beer Money, and this was the same event, Beer Money, uh, Inc., James Storm, and Robert Roode defeated Lethal Consequences, Consequence Creed and Jay Lethal, and Abyss and Matt Morgan in a three-way match to win the TNA Tag Belts. And January 12th, 24 years ago, 1998, on Raw's War, the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson were awarded the vacated NWA World Tag Team Championship. That was that short-lived uh, time between NWA and WWF uh, where Cornette was uh, leading it and Jeff Jarrett was uh, given the title and stuff like that. And- yeah, it didn't last too long, and we also got uh, introduced to Bombastic Bob and Bodacious Bart as a new uh, Midnight Express. I don't think Corny was too happy with that one. No, but uh, some of it was uh, neat. I liked it when they brought in uh, some of these tag teams and that, and even when you know RVD came in uh, the original time, 
uh, I think it's great when wrestling is able to do that, bring in people from other organizations and show them off on their, on their uh, TV. Yeah, AEW was doing it recently when they were doing a couple things with uh, Impact, and uh, they now are, well, Impact is doing stuff with Ring of Honor uh, to keep Ring of Honor in the spotlight uh, since Ring of Honor shut down until April, and then people are now wondering if WWE has finally opened up the forbidden door because at the Royal Rumble, the current Impact Wrestling women's champion, Mickey James, is making her return to the WWE to be in the Rumble, and they're acknowledging her as being the Impact Wrestling champion. Plus, she's working for the NWA, so they're working with, in a way, at least those two companies to get Mickey. Whether or not they're going to have anybody else show up, that's up in the air. We're going to have to just wait and see. Well, there is a rumor of a man uh, a man from uh, one of those organizations. Personally, I would not be surprised if someone like Y2J showed up uh, just because they do have a good relationship. Uh, they, he was on the Broken Skull Sessions. Yeah. So, yeah, you never know. And if it helps them, why not? Well, hey, in the end, Vince is going to own all their libraries. So. Oh, yeah. Because Tony Khan, is, uh, as much of a businessman that he seems to be right now, he's also coming off very much, unfortunately, as a mark who has a lot of money and is just doing his own thing. Like I get it. I'm there. We need an alternative and stuff like that, but it can only last so long before things need to be either tightened up or they fall apart. Yep, before an accountant comes along and goes, um, yeah, you're losing a lot of money, buddy. Um, so the events, uh, and we're almost done for this week, events January 9th, 22 years ago, in the year 2000, if anyone never watched um, early Conan episodes, uh, that's where that's from. ECW presented guilty as charged. Uh, 17 years ago, WWE presented New Year's Revolution from Puerto Rico. And uh, 11 years ago, in 2011, TNA presented Genesis. Uh, January 10th, 24 years ago, 98, ECW presented House Party 98. Uh, selected matches from the show aired as episodes of ECW Hardcore TV. Uh, also on the 10th, 23 years ago, ECW presented Guilty as Charged. And then on the January 11th, 13 years ago, Team A presented Genesis. And they also presented Genesis again January 13th, nine years ago in 2013 from the Impact Zone. Yeah, and so that is it for this week in wrestling. Of course, this week in wrestling history is combined. I need a timeout. Oh, sorry. Time out. Sorry. To, stop during during. Sorry to interrupt you. I know you were on a roll, uh, thanking uh, people who were part of uh, making this. But today on Facebook, I realized I noticed somebody else's post and wasn't included with this. I'm surprised we got everything in as we did. But today also marks the 30 year anniversary of Marty Janetti diving through. The barbershop window trying to escape Shawn Michaels. 
Why and, would he do that? He never was the same again, unfortunately. No, I don't know why he died. For well, he could have just gone around. He didn't have to go, jump through the window. But I mean, it made for a very memorable is. He got cut moment. Open. Oh, for sure. But it just, it just showed and, that uh, Shawn, Michaels, Shawn Michaels, of course, was the core of that team. Poor Marty. Yeah, I'm not sure how we missed that one. Oh, well, my bad. So, in recap, this week in yeah, wrestling. I don't know history, if I noticed it this morning. <laughs> it's compiled from the vast land of Google, Wikipedia. You can proceed with our com. Sorry? Oh, you're lagging. That's why. Okay. And most importantly, from fans and journalists that had front row seats to history. And a big thank you to our sponsor, CoolBet, CoolBet.com, and sportsbook betting and casino games. Stay cool and bet responsibly. And, of course, thanks to all of our genres, listeners, and everyone out there that does, in fact, listen to the show. And Sean's about to come Sorry, back. Sorry, yeah, I'm having a little bit of issues. I'm done my banter, and uh, the show is now yours. Yeah. So thank you, everybody, for joining us, and we will catch you next time. We're going to talk about Royal Rumble 92 and a bunch of other things. So uh, until next time, have a great night.